following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. Your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. All right, have you guys heard about this? It's called the NyQuil Chicken Challenge. <laughs> I caught a little, just one tweet regarding that. Someone was being sarcastic, and I'm like, NyQuil Chicken? Yeah, what? it's... Uh, and just kind of left it be. Uh, the, the video I saw here was chicken, and it's just doused in NyQuil before cooking. So in other words, along the same lines as beer-battered, onion rings or something along those lines where you're essentially cooking the alcohol out of it. Ugh. NyQuil. Ugh. Original Green Death flavor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it looks, yeah. It, it looks to, like... To, uh, wait, I thought that was Listerine, or is that the yeah, brown exactly. Listerine? That's no, what I was just saying. Is it looks like Listerine, yeah. Yeah, oh, the, okay. the original Green Death flavor is a Dennis Leary joke. Yeah. 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 Hello, Klaus. I know it's a thing to like bash on the younger generation, but this man, the younger generation stupid. are idiots. Would you Tide Pods? Yeah, that was the first one. Nyquil right? chicken. What? Would you take regular chicken and cook it and then dunk it after it's been cooked in Nyquil, like a little cup of Nyquil? Oh. Like instead of ranch, you know. A buddy uh, of mine, late in high school, decided to essentially drink himself silly on NyQuil one night. <laughs> I'm on the phone with him at one point. Uh, I think the table just moved. Dude, it did. more power to you. Wait, yeah, when, I, when I was in college, um, there was a kid that was supposed to come in to like, do his radio shift, uh, and uh, I was on before him. And uh, – he decided uh, to get drunk, yeah, on uh, medicine. Good God. And wasn't feeling good. Decide- yeah, that's the thing, right? Medicine. Yeah. Oh, now I'm not feeling good. I'm a little woozy. <laughs> yeah. Not coming in. So I had to you know, fill in for him for another three hours. Uh, I've heard, though, it's a real trip. You drink a lot of NyQuil, bunch of it, and then you mm-hmm. just stay up. By the way, we do not endorse any of this. <laughs> yeah, Bad don't, news. It will kill your liver. I, I don't know. I kind for, of endorse for starters, it. For I mean, starters, if you don't like your liver. I, yeah. I have the great. I have the great aspect of the fact that I cannot take NyQuil oh, at this point because of what it does to your heart rate, right? to your blood pressure. Oh, it does it way that, down. Oh, it brings it way down. Yeah, it brings your heart rate way down. Okay. And I don't so, know anything about that. Yeah. Other than NyQuil might be an option if you're having a tough time going to sleep. Yeah, there, There is quite the list of things that I am not able to take now after having heart failure, See, yes. That would have really hurt me. When Ibuprofen? I, oh, when, I, when I think I'm getting sick... I just chug a bunch of NyQuil and go to sleep for like eight hours. And then I'm like, God, I'm good. That's how I know I'm really sick if I wake but up and I'm still sick. I, I always wake up drowsy anyway. Mm-hmm. Huh? What? And they're like, you, you think someone said something to you? And you go, what? And then it was, it was just a dream. And then you're talking all crazy. And people are like, man, you need to go back to bed. And you go, sorry, I had chicken and NyQuil before I... Before I went to sleep, I dunked again. It hello, window. Klaus. <laughs> hello. I hate. You know what I hate is when they go heavy on the Robitussin on the chicken. That you know, oh, and right. you're like, hey, oh. man. But but that cherry taste is so wonderful. 
nothing. <laughs> you guys are gross. <laughs> it's okay. I'm with you. They're they're oh. grossing me out over here, and I've got a hey, stomach of steel. Hey. Come on. Light on the Robitussin this time. The last time I came in this joint, it just it's like we were playing the Robitussin and chicken game. Oh my! Hey, great value, if you know what I'm saying. Man, this roast beef really cured my cough. <laughs> <laughs> but I am drowsy and talking weird to my wife, you know? Ooh, oh, yeah. Ooh, what great gravy for the mashers. Oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> All right, guys. Gross. The offense certainly needs its cure. Yeah. Oh, boy. And whatever it takes, it's not just going to be a little bit of medicine. Yeah, could have used some NyQuil. Um, we got a busy show today. Coming up at 510, going to talk with a former host of this show, Mason Voth, who's now in charge of Email Online. That's with Rivals. He'll join us at 510. We'll hear from Adrian Martinez, who spoke with the media at 525. I, do, I didn't have one last week. I wasn't here, but I do have a top 10 list for this week. That's coming up here in just a few moments. But I thought this would be a great time to just jump right to Chris Kleiman who had his weekly press conference earlier today because you can imagine a lot of questions about the passing game, and it being very short when it comes to passes, which we've seen so far through the three games, but also you know not successful third and fourth down, which we actually heard about that a lot after the game on Saturday. But it's clear what has to change from last week to this week. The passing game has to be there. It needs to be more aggressive, more downfield. All the checkdowns, it's got to be limited. You have to look down the field. But Coach... Did field a question about what the Tulane defense was doing right. Tackled really well. Deuce didn't have those breakaway runs that we had been accustomed to. Part of that is really good tackling, and part of that is us not sustaining blocks. And then we had some guys open, and we just didn't see them. To, uh, yes, I agree that tackling uh, was really good from Tulane. Blocking for K-State. And I, I did ask Coach about it. Uh, he did say it needs to be better. I thought the blocking was not great against the Tulane defense. It, you know, credit to Tulane's defense. They had seven in the box pretty much every play. They wanted to shut down the running game, and they did a pretty good job against K-State's running game. But there were a lot of missed assignments. The blocking mm-hmm. extended to the wide receivers. I, I thought Phillip Brooks was not putting full effort into blocking. Uh, ben Sinnott kind of had a rough day. It just wasn't the offensive line. You could branch it out to the wide receivers and also fullbacks, tight no. ends. It just wasn't a good day altogether. No, that's a great point because I remember three specific plays in my in my memory bank where I'm just like, well, there's a whiff. Completely just blew that play up because the blocking wasn't on the same page. You, We talk about like... You know, there's been so much discussion since Saturday. Like, you got to go, you got to go over the top. You have to be more aggressive. Da da da. And I agree. Everybody knows that the higher you get in football, you have to keep them honest with a pass. You have to be able to. Do that. But at the same time, let's not kid ourselves. Tulane brought it to K State Saturday. Also true. We they they weren't running the we weren't running the ball good either. It's not like it was like hey. We sure are getting five or six. No, I mean they were getting smoked up front on both sides of the ball. That it, it, it was, it was, it was strange to watch. It really the the whole team. There was I, I'm I'll say this. I'm glad it happened Saturday and not this Saturday. I brought that up to White yesterday. I, I'm I mean yeah. if it's gonna if I'm gonna put a positive spin, that's the only thing I can find. 
is that I'm glad that we got our absolute tails whipped this past Saturday, and it didn't happen against Oklahoma like like it might. Um, maybe there will be some more juice on this team. But, uh, yeah, they, they got smoked up front. It is bad. It was really bad. Well, yeah, the passing game from Adrian Martinez, I mentioned earlier, a ton of checkdowns. 35 of his 41 completions have been checkdowns. That that's way too many. Not looking up the field, not letting it rip, not letting it fire. Coach answered the question that was asked by uh, Tim Fitzgerald about just nine a.m. is being too careful. CK and I had a long meeting and, and visited with Adrian about it, and he would agree. He's got to cut it loose and rip it. And uh, if a mistake's made, a mistake's made. But be aggressive in, in what you see and what you believe. And uh, we've seen that fall camp, and now we've just got to see it on a Saturday. Uh, I know it's there. I know uh, that uh, he can do it. He doesn't want to make the mistake. I think we all know that. I think nobody wants to make the mistakes. But there's times where you just got to let it rip, and if, if something happens that's a, a negative play, we got to bounce back from it. And that Adrian Martinez has to overcome the timidness. He's got to do it mentally. Just not having that fear of failure. Sometimes, you know, you're not going to be perfect. Um, there's not one of us in anything that we do professionally or for an athlete that you're going to be perfect. And, um, you know, he's going to make some mistakes, and that's okay. we got to let him be him and not uh, anything other than himself. And when he's himself, um, what we've seen uh, he can be a really special talent. Let's let's uh, uh, push him to be that. And one more on Adrian Martinez. Not worried about 9 a.m. Not bouncing back. Yesterday was really sharp offensively. Not many balls on the ground, and and um, it was it was a good day. So bouncing back, I don't think would be an issue for Adrian. Honestly, I, I really don't because he's a, he's a really confident, mature kid. Now, playing at Oklahoma is something Adrian Martinez has done before. And it wasn't without error, but he did throw for almost 300 yards. He had a touchdown. He did throw an interception, which was on a fourth down. He took. He had to take the gamble and try to squeeze one in, and it was an amazing interception by an Oklahoma defensive back. But with the timidness through the non-con play, if he was worried about turning the football over, maybe worried about a shoulder injury, like doing that again or something, if that's the case, I mean – Okay, he didn't hurt himself with turnovers and mistakes, but now he's hurt the running game where teams are selling mm-hmm. out against the run. And K State, it's it's too difficult to be one di- or to be two dimensional. And so that is where the difference has to be made down the field, trying to make a play, letting your wide receiver go get the football, and hopefully the wide receivers are doing what they can as well to help out Adrian Martinez by getting open. They did that. They were able to do that against Tulane. I just wonder. Did Adrian miss that, or was he just not wanting to throw it downfield in fear of a turnover? One of the things that I seriously thought when Cade Warner caught the touchdown pass was that maybe that's going to be the one that gets him going. Maybe that's going to give him the confidence to do exactly that, let his receiver go for it, because that's what happened on that play. It didn't. And I really thought that that might be the one that would kind of serve as the shock to the system, maybe, that would get him the confidence. And unfortunately, no, it almost seemed like it went the other way the rest of the game. Still remember the how many shoulder fakes did we count that he threw on the one play? Uh, yeah, the pump fakes. Yeah, there's yeah. probably two or three. Oh, there, there were. Were there more? No, oh, there were more on that play. When he was kind of diagonally scrambling towards the line of scrimmage? Yes. Uh, I think there was at least six. There's something 
there. Not only is it passing, but there was a play where he faked a pitch and took it. He took that oh, jab yeah, step fourth up down. field. And there, it was one where he gained yardage, and he could have busted it. Oh, I know what you mean. Okay, and, But he got tackled by one guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you're here to break that tackle and take it 70 yards. Like, that's what you're – that's what I was told, not not me demanding. That's what I was told you brought to the program was this ability to spring a big run like that. I think Adrian Martinez has a problem going – he has a problem – if it's if it's one hundred percent, it's kind of reckless, or if it's it's fifty percent, and I'm not really locked in. You know what I mean? Where he's like, I'm going to take care of the ball, but that means you're not getting all Adrian Martinez. You're getting you're getting me at fifty sixty. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. But if you want me at full tilt, then it's kind of crazy, and I'm kind of like, but it's like, dude, I want that now. I'm tired of this thing. We got how much of this is a remnant of the disaster he left. How much of this is a remnant of the coaching that he received over his stretch of time at Nebraska, given how poorly player development has taken place up there? That's an answer that we'll probably never get. If we do get it, it'll be like 10 years down the road. The, like, the only, hey, let's catch up with Adrian Martinez type of interview. Yeah, yeah, the only quantifying way that we can do that is just by looking at the numbers, and the, and the stats tell us some that he's declined from freshman year on. In well, terms of his passing yardage, I, I would say just to answer that question, if there, if it is anything mental, and maybe it's just something he's read on social media, it might be the reaction of fans of our fan base that n- knew he threw a bunch of interception at Nebraska and saw that is well, he just can't play, mm-hmm. and, th- and we're just going to see a guy that turns the football over. And he read that and be like, I don't want to be that guy. If that's what people think about me, I don't want to be that guy. All, all the more reason that. Honestly, social media should not even be in their realm, and it sucks because uh, you know full well as a as a college kid, they want to be taking in social media just like their friends are able to do so. But if that's the the type of stuff that is getting to him via social media, then that that is a cause of the problem as well. Let me jump to defense. I did want to play a couple of clips about the defense because I think they're kind of getting overshadowed by the negativity towards the offense. I still think the great the defense had a pretty solid game. I, I mentioned this to Wyatt yesterday. I think where they maybe got beat, giving up a couple of touchdowns, that ended up losing the game. Not blaming the defense, but the running that Michael Pratt was doing, he, he ran the ball more than probably what was expected, especially with the draw plays. Um that uh, he ran the ball twice for a significant amount of yards on each of the touchdown drives, but the defense against Tulane. Let's get coach's thoughts. We played really good at times on, on defense. Um, in that game, we needed to play great. Um, you're going to get into low scoring games. You're going to get into high scoring games, and you've got to find a way to to stop them at a critical time. And they beat us on explosive plays. And uh, unfortunately for us, some of their explosive plays were on their t- uh, scoring drives. And so a little bit of that was probably our inability to uh, to tackle. Yeah, the tackling thing I'll, I'll cover here in just a moment. But uh, you know. 
I, I suppose when the defense still plays pretty well in a loss, yeah, you do look to to the two touchdown drives that they did have. I mean, one of the drives started at the like the nine yard line. Yeah, it was a great drive by Tulane. There were a couple of passing plays as well that did get K State, but still, I I would never I would never look at that performance by the defense on Saturday and think of it more negatively than positively. That wasn't a performance that K State could have definitely won a game by, despite the offense playing that poorly. Really, I mean, there were so. I mean, to the very end, almost there was an opportunity to go at least tie the game. They were put into bad positions all day long by the offense. At a point, you begin to wear down. No matter what your depth is, you begin to wear down. I mean, it was humid. It was hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was new. It was New Orleans weather. I mean, yeah, Tulane maybe felt at home with that. Right. With that weather, it, but it, uh, it's, I mean, and it was evident that last drive, their their drive where they drove to win the game, they weren't driving to not lose. You know what I'm saying? They oh, yeah. were going. They were like, "We're gonna score and we're gonna win," and they drove down there with no resistance because these guys are so dog tired. They've been out there all day. It's a thousand degrees outside. Yes, all those things. But I think we let them down as far as, like, co- we, they, they weren't coached to be in the right position the entire drive. They, I mean, that drive, they got smoked. And I don't think you can lay it all down on – they were tired. You know what I'm saying? These guys are excellent athletes, and they should have been put in position to win. And it just – it was it was embarrassing. Four, fourth and one at midfield or fourth and three at midfield, and you set them up with a short field to win the game. Uh, a couple of more things I did want to point out. Nate Matlack uh, exited the game against Tulane that looked like to be an ankle injury. Has not practiced so far this week, but he has been out running. He's not in a boot. That's according to Coach Kleiman. So fingers crossed that he'll be able to play. I think he is certainly necessary for success on that defensive line. Um, Sean Robinson, who was supposed he, he transferred in from Missouri, supposed to play this season at Sam Linebacker. He was probably going to uh, definitely – mix up the time with uh, you know back and forth with Khalid Duke and now it's been all pretty much Khalid Duke uh, so far this season uh, but Sean Robinson has left the team uh, this is for personal reasons and Coach Kleiman mentioned that he absolutely respects the decision and does respect Sean Robinson so that's why we haven't seen him all year he's, mm-hmm. he's been he's stepped away from the program for personal reasons all right, when we come back, uh, still to come as well, by the way, just a reminder, coming up at 510, uh, Mason Voth from Email Online will be joining us. Up next, my weekly top 10 after these words. Ah, uh, yes, it's a, page, a change of pace when Big Steve is on the board. Yeah, it's his band. Well, I just went, got oh, lightheaded. Wow. Uh, That's it's been band. a while since I've done that. <laughs> Mitch, Fortner, oh, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, <laughs> Big Steve is on the board. I don't think I've introduced us yet. Dude, Troy was headbanging right there. You see, if I didn't get my hair cut yesterday, I'd be able to because it was like nice and long. <laughs> now it's not. Uh, That's good. I, I'm the old, I mean, old bald guy here. That I, that just makes it all the funnier. I've never had like really long hair, like nothing close no. to what DG has, and yeah. still rocking the mullet look. I'm gonna the sides going tonight, baby. All right, mm-hmm. that's that's fantastic news. I think that's something you should keep for a very long time. Thank you. Um, until the one of the daughters are like, Dad, why do you look so dumb? I know, and I, that's coming quick. 
Sophia's going to be talking here soon. I mean, that's probably that's when the you, first thing she's going to say. That's when you just hit him with, hey, man, mullet bros for life. That's right. Hashtag, that's mullet, hashtag mullet bros. Hashtag, hey, I'm dad. I can't wait to embarrass Wait, that's girls. your team name this week for Do They Know It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was going to even say. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Damn it. Come on. This show sometimes, you know? This show. <laughs> I apologize. It's my fault. It is. Sophia's going to be like, the boys at school don't have that haircut. <laughs> well, the boys at school, I don't, if the boys at school jumped off a bridge, I would. No, you're like, first of all, um, are are you talking to yeah. these boys at school? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Then you really get. Then we really You don't have get, a boyfriend yet, do you? you? Dad! Yeah, I do. And his name is Noah. Oh. I'm not ready for that. Homeschooled. Click, click. Yeah. <laughs> More like shut, turn the ignition on, moving to another city. Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> Pretend I'm an army guy. Well, you guys ready for my top 10 this week? Yes. Uh, it's all about K-State football. It's just my top 10 K-State football yays and nays after non-conference play. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. Number 10. Number 10, I'm going to start with a nay-ish, and it's about the tackling. Uh, because Coach Kleiman has brought up the tackling from the defense the last couple of press conferences. Yeah, I thought it was uh, not exactly rough, but there were certainly some obvious broken tackles that should have been made against Missouri. Against Tulane, where I thought the whoopsies were on defense with the tackling was actually with the running back Iverson Celestine. Now, I thought with their starting running back, Tajay Spears, they did a pretty good job. He's, he's, he's strong, but they did a pretty good job tackling him. It was the one-on-one tackling against Iverson Celestine, the backup. He wore, he wore number eight. Where he was he was the low man winning extra yardage. And when K-State would try to tackle him one-on-one, they weren't the low man. And you hear low man wins in football. They were getting stood up. And that was when he was able to fight for an extra. You know, He would turn a two-yard run into five or six yards. Yes. On first down. Yes. Look for him on the tr- in the transfer portal. That guy was good. He was good. Yeah, he was really good. Uh, all right. Number nine. Number nine is a yay. I'm going to hand it over to Ty Zintner. Uh, I think he's been really good in the punting game once again. And it, it, of course, in a game like against Tulane, and even when we saw it in the third quarter against Mizzou, you're, you're playing some field position some of the time. And you're trying to bury these guys deep. Well, right now, Ty Zintner is 13th in the country in averaging 45.7 yards per punt. He has five punts of over 50 yards. He has pinned of uh, six of them inside the 20. So, so far, so good this season with Ty Zintner uh, punting the football. I mean, kickoffs. Kicking off or punting, this coaching staff can tell him what they need. And he can go get it done. Mm. I think he's only really had one punt that was just like, you know, that didn't feel like Ty Zittner. <laughs> Everything other than that have been Ty Zittner. He's done a fantastic job, so he deserves a yay. Number eight. Another yay is going to a linebacker, Austin Moore. Mm-hmm. Austin Moore, it's to the point now, we haven't seen Will Honus. And uh, not sure the situation, if it is an injury or something else. But Will Honus, and now to the point where, I mean, we didn't, the media didn't even ask about Will Honus this week. And honestly, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it until I started putting together this top 10. It's like, oh, yeah, we haven't seen Will Honus. 
because Austin Moore has been doing such a great job. He's right now leading the, ta- the team in tackles with 19, so he's doing what needs to be done, a linebacker making plays at the line of scrimmage or even behind the line of scrimmage because guess what? He's also leading the team in tackles for loss with four, uh, with a four and a half. Wow. wow. So Austin Moore, who is finally getting the opportunity as a starting linebacker, I think has done a great job in that role there on the weak side. Number seven. Number seven is another yay. I want to give it to members of the defensive line who have stood out to me so far this year, I think just a bit more than the others. Felix and DK Uzama. The king, King Felix, has stood out to me with his three and a half tackles for loss, two and a half, two and a half sacks. And just because he's not getting home every time to make the big play in the backfield, it's not like he's not getting back there and not disrupting the pocket. He has done that multiple times that will not show up on the box score after the game. He has done a great job there. And also, uh, the newcomer on the defensive line, Brendan Mott. Mott has really taken his role and running with it. And right now, two tackles for loss and a sack, who is coming in as a backup. He has been getting himself noticed as well. So he deserves a yay so far through three games of this 2022 football season. Number six. Number six is a yay and a nay. Offensive line and blocking. Hmm. So up until... Up until right before the Tulane game, so the first two games, South Dakota and against um, Missouri, I thought the run blocking has been good. Not great, but good. It certainly had its moments. Uh, Took a while to grind down on Mizzou. And, of course, against um, Tulane, it wasn't great. Pass blocking, I think, has been really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Adrian was not sacked against Tulane. Um, not always a clean pocket, but did a pretty good job. Like, it wasn't an, ever a disaster. Uh, a lot of looks we saw from Tulane, and, and usually they were able to pick it up. And I think Adrian has done a pretty good job of deciding on when to run, when he should stay in the pocket. He has taken off and run, and I think you know Adrian's done a, a, a decent job of running the football. So a yay and a nay for the offensive line and the blocking. Number five. Number five is an easy yay, and that's to Deuce Vaughn and DJ Giddens. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the offensive line haven't been 100% of blocking when it comes to the run game, they've been good, like I've said. Not great. But Deuce Vaughn, right now, still leads the Big 12 with 117 yards per game. Yes, unfortunately, his streak of eight consecutive 100-yard rushing games came to an end. He won't break uh, Darren Sproul's record yet. Maybe he'll have, hopefully have another chance to do that, starting with this game against Oklahoma. Averaging about six yards a carry. DJ Giddens has, for his limited touches, I mean, some may argue he should get a few more because he is running the ball very strong. Mm-hmm. He is sixth right now in the Big 12 at 7.8 yards per carry. Uh, for some reason, like, when, when Giddens is in the game, the offensive line does a pretty good job of building him a hole and Giddens has the patience when he needs it. He'll hit the hole when he needs to. When he sees it, he'll hit it. And he is harder to tackle yes. than Deuce Vaughn is. Yes. So shout out to DJ Giddens. I think he's been great in three games so far. Number four. Number four is a nay. Uh, third down offense. We, we have seen this be an issue in the Coach Climate era. And so far it hasn't been great in uh in 2022 and and a lot of it 
where the numbers get worse than what they previously were, were of course, because of the two-lane game, going two for 15 on Saturday. That is a rough, mm. rough number. But right now, in three games combined, K-State is 125th in the country. That's out of 131 teams on third down conversions. They are 11 of 42. So the, the numbers did drop significantly in the game against um, Tulane. Right now, that's 26.2% on third down. Now, back to a yay. Number three. Third down defense. This is where the defense has really done a great job, I think. Them boys clamping down. And it, you know, third and sevens, third and longs, or third and shorts. The defense has done a great job of coming through and making stops on third down. K-State right now, 14th in the country and allowing just 25% of conversions on third down. they have, I mean, we could talk about K-State having a bad day on third down. Tulane had a bad day on third down. They were one of 12. Ooh. Yeah, there was a point in the midst of that where a friend of mine who is a Tulane fan had hit me going, what is up with these teams? And I looked at the, at the number and I went, all you need to see is what's happening on third down, and you understand why this game is going the way it is. All right, time for my last yay. Number two. Number two, the secondary. Man, were we a little bit worried about the secondary heading into the season. Boy, it took one game to tell us, yeah, there's some special dudes back there. Yeah. There's some special dudes. I mean, DG and I, we couldn't stop raving about Kobe Savage after game one. Yes. Game two, we see the debut of Josh Hayes, who's now played the last two games. Man, he plays fast. He is aggressive. He's a good he's, – He's other than one tackle, uh, he's been a pretty solid one-on-one tackler. He's made some plays in the backfield. Uh, Sincere Mason already has a couple of interceptions on the year. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I don't – leave anybody out but I mean corner play I think uh, Julius Brintz has been pretty good I think Echo Boido has been excellent so far this season they have inter- they have four of the seven interceptions on this team which also shout out to the linebackers having three interceptions on the year two of them coming from uh, Daniel Green which is not listed here in this top 10 but he's having a great year I thought he played very well against uh, against Tulane uh, VJ Payne, I thought, played very well in game one against South Dakota. And now we're seeing Josh Hayes step up, and, and Coach mentioned it in the press conference today, stepping up and playing some Sam linebacker because he feels that Josh Hayes is one of the best slot protectors, mm-hmm. as in a defender, one of the best slot defenders that he has ever worked with. Mm. That is a hell of a compliment. Wow. And likes the fact that he can essentially handle the position that Reggie Stubblefield did so well last yeah. year. Yeah. But finally... Number one. Number one. Uh, it's just too. It's too flaming after this game against Tulane. Right now, the number one thing that stood out. It's the main headline heading into Big Twelve play, the passing game. K State right now is second worst in the entire country in passing yards per completion at seven point six nine yards. The team that is dead last. Here's a coincidence for you. The team that is dead last is the same is the other team that Tulane has played that also scored ten points against them, UMass, and that's at seven point three nine yards per completion. 
the difference is K-State threw the ball 31 times. UMass threw the ball 11 times. The longest pass play this season for K-State has been 28 yards against Missouri. The second longest passing play has been for 21 yards, the touchdown to Cade Warner, which mm-hmm. I agree with Troy. I felt like that is this is where we're going to see a difference now in Adrian Martinez. We didn't see it in the second half. And I broke this down with Wyatt yesterday. I'll do so for you again today. Adrian Martinez has completed 41 passes. Two of those have been for over 20 yards. Four of them have been for 11 to 20 yards. 35 of the completions have been for 10 yards or less. I don't have the numbers. I wasn't going to do this much research (laughs) to find it out. But let's also think about this, you know. Out of all those combined, the 41 completions combined, if we broke it down and determined at the point of completion, if we just went by that, what the average would be of completion, where the ball was completed, if we just went by that number, it's got to be less than five yards. Absolutely. Absolutely less than five yards. Um, so just, yeah, back to the checkdowns, too many of them. How many have been in front of the sticks? I, I mean, well – Coach brought it up, I think, in post game on Saturday, but he, he complimented the offense from turning, you know, third down and tens to fourth and two or fourth and one and giving him a shot on fourth down. But I'm so sick of needing ten yards and you run a six yard route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think that's being like, hey, great job buying bananas and then wait until they go bad so we can make banana bread. I, seriously, I, th- that to me, good, nice, nice job, but get in, get at the stick. Get it, get there, get at the line. Anyway, whatever. What do I know? All right, when we come back, that's my top 10 list for the week. And when we come back, we'll meet the Wildcats with a person we just talked about just moments ago defensive back and also kind of same linebacker, Josh Hayes, after these words. It's Meet the Wildcats time. This week's subject, we need to get to know him a little bit better, is defensive back Josh Hayes. All right, it's time for another edition of Meet the Wildcats. We're with safety Josh Hayes. First question, favorite athlete growing up? Uh, Deion Sanders, easy, prime time. Do you have a dating red flag? Ooh, dating red flag. Uh, for me, it's if you talk too much when I first get, like when I first meet you, I'm kind of suspicious because me personally, I'm kind of a more reserved guy, so kind of catches me off guard what is something that you are afraid of Ooh, i can't i can't do the dark i cannot do the dark man i'm sprinting upstairs got my flashlight on in the house at night yeah favorite sports movie of all time Ooh, probably remember the titans for sure yeah denzel did his thing in that one yeah it's a popular pick dream vacation where would you like to go uh i don't really know too much about it but i've always wanted to go to australia just seems like a cool place to go a lot of animals and stuff like that let's meet the wildcats with josh hayes if you were to cook, you gotta impress somebody, pressing girl, a girl or something. What is that go-to dish? Oh, I might, I might hit her with like a lasagna or something like that. Throw it in the oven, let it sit for a little while. I love that pick. Everybody games these days, right? But what video game are you the best at? What do you have a winning record against other teammates? Oh, okay. So when you say winning record, you know I might not have a winning record in in any game, but I probably think I'm best at a uh, 2K. You give me the Bulls, I'm tough to deal with. All right, I'm in between TV shows right now. What could you recommend to me to binge watch? I just actually started watching a show called The Last Kingdom, and I I love it. I've watched probably seven or eight episodes in a day or two. So, Growing up, when did you know 
that you were in trouble? Oh, my dad gave me gave me that glare when he when I looked over at him. He wasn't blinking. He just all eyes on me. I knew it was over from there. Well, this last one, you get a tad bit of a head start than a couple of your other teammates, but Super Bowl. It's in uh, Glendale, Arizona this year. Who is going to win the big game this year? You can't bet against Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the Bucks. I think Tampa Bay, you win them one. All right, Josh Hayes, good luck tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's Meet the Wildcats with Josh Hayes. And I also recorded that last week, of course, but uh, that's for PowerCat Game Day. Now, who you're going to hear on PowerCat Game Day in the next week, uh, Tuesday, a week from today, will be Deuce Vaughn in the little Meet the Wildcats. Hey, I think I speak for a whole mess of people. And I say that, Meet the Wildcat, this is amazing, dude. This is really cool. It's a really cool, fun segment. Yeah, and I asked the same series of questions yeah. to the uh, all the players. I love questions. the rapid-fireness of it. Keep them on their toes. They're young. They should be able to fire off answers like that. I like it. Now, uh, we, we do have a couple of minutes. Maybe we could touch on this here, and that is uh, Bruce Feldman has reported three names that are strong candidates, strong candidates to replace Scott Frost as the head coach of Nebraska. Now, I know both of you knew about this before I did. Do one of you want to cover those three names for us? I, I just love this listing. Matt Campbell, Lackluster Lance, <laughs> and Wait. Bill O'Brien. Head Nebraska head coach Bill O'Brien just has a real... A beautiful sound, isn't that? To it, man. That's a real. wonderful sound. And I mean, I think like if they interviewed those three, I do think like he might win the interview on that one. You know what I mean? Like, he, I don't know, man. He oof. he's he's Belichick light he is. He is. to yes, me, he is. and he is. I, I just so I don't know how well he would interview. <sighs> However, I did see someone had a great uh, tweet the other day that the uh, Alabama. Offensive uh, analyst room next year is going to be lit. Oh my god! And it had Herm Edwards, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! By the way, how about Herm getting uh, basically fired as he's leaving the field? I yes. know. I'd yeah. give a million dollars. Um, um, a almost as beautiful as uh, almost as beautiful as uh, Lane getting fired on the tarmac yeah. at USC. I mean, really though. Honest to God, what did he do to get tarmac? Like, why did they do that on the tarmac? What's the story? I don't understand. Do you want him riding the buses and then do it back at the building? I mean, I wouldn't. I probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Away from the team as fast as possible. They're ready to get rid of him. That bad. That that bad. God. That, That bad. Well, Herm Edwards didn't even get to talk to the team after the game. They were like, no, go this way. Oof. No, they gave him the... Uh, they did play Eastern Michigan. And lose. Mm-hmm. The boot scootin' boogie. That guy, man. He, man, the, the The Jim Walteridge treatment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you play to win the game. Oh. Hey, Trev Albert, so I just got to say, um, you know, Lance Leipold is a really good coach. Sure. He's not lackluster. I, I, I said it as a joke. I didn't mean it. He's a... Uh, He's a pretty good coach, and Jalen Daniels freaks me out. I'm honestly a little jealous. Yeah, they, I'm a little. Je- what I see, that I haven't seen much of that KU offense, but I've seen numbers. And they, holy crap, I'd, they're really uh, good on third down. Um, I would say, um, lightning Lance Leipold, not lackluster, like like a strike of lightning that hits the ground 
and lights up the sky, but also destroys things. That's who I would hire if I was you. And KU, I, I'm boy, yeah, I, I'm not pay joking. No, like, pay, pay the, no attention to that defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. Game, like, if this game was being played this Saturday instead of the last game of the regular season, I would be really nervous okay. about that one. I think I still am. Like, even the game is the last game of the year, regular season, I am pretty nervous mm-hmm. about that one. All right, coming up in hour two, coming up in a few moments, we'll hear uh, from Mason both his thoughts on the Cats through non-con play. Adrian Martinez spoke with the media. Number one song, going to ask us anything. And in four minutes, your local news. Don't go anywhere. Hour two of the game next.